in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, our ultimate goal in life, you and I exist for one main thing, is to glorify God, period. That's, that's the ultimate thing that we can do for eternity. We exist to glorify God. But a question I had was, what is the main thing? What is the main purpose of the local church? What is the main thing for the church to do organizationally? And so I was thinking about that. And sometimes uh, churches think the main thing is, hey, just build good friendships, have good potlucks, have nice services. The main thing for the church is to be kind, uh, is to uh, just, just show people care. And these are all good things. But what is the main thing for the church? And so in Matthew 28, 16, uh, today's text, we read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. He said, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to tell you something important, and I'm going to go up to heaven. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. That's amazing that they saw Jesus, and they didn't recognize him as a, their rabbi. They recognized him as God. They worshipped him. There were some there in the crowd that were like, I'm not sure what this is about, but most of them worshipped him. And then verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he starts out with this. As you worship uh, me, Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I am the ruler. I am God. I am the, the redeemer, and I have come, and I have conquered. And 40 days after Jesus resurrected, we're having this special moment. And as the disciples gather together, he's setting up a final charge. This is what I want you to do. That's pretty important. If someone's about to leave, the last thing they're saying is, when it's all said and done, this is what I want you to do. And so this is a message for us. What is the main thing I want you to do? Yes, glorify God. The function I want you to do is about to be told. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I rule the world. There's none greater. Worship me. Yes, I will reign. There is no power greater than me. And so what do we do? Verse 19 and 20. Therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And before their eyes, he goes, ascends to heaven, the clouds and the angels say, Jesus will return in the same way you saw him leave. Go. Now, when you look at this, I used to think that uh, this text had four commands. I used to think it had four commands. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them, which, which works. That's kind of what we do. Uh, so I was like, okay, that's, that's a good function. Um, but when you look at the Greek, it becomes so crystal clear that there's actually more than that. So for example, um, it sounds like there's these four imperatives, go, make disciples, 
baptize, teach him to observe my teaching. But in the Greek, there is only one command. And that one command is, can we read it? Make disciples. The whole meaning of the text changes. It's not go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. It's make disciples. And the verb go, teach, baptize are actually participles. So it literally translates like this. There is, as you are going, as you are baptizing, and as you are teaching, make disciples. Or put it this way, make disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching. The emphasis is on making disciples. That's the main thing Jesus is telling his disciples of all nations in this one imperative. So the opposite of this sounds like this. Just to give contrast, the opposite of Matthew 20, 19 sounds like this. Stay in your comfort zone and be safe. Don't go beyond yourself if it creates discomfort or inconvenience on your life, even if it's for God. Ignore those lost in sin who are going to be condemned on Judgment Day. And do not teach nor obey the Word of God. That's the opposite of Matthew 28, 19. And so the scary part for me is, I really think the modern church lives the opposite of Matthew 20, 19, better than the command. And so we want to get this right. The Great Commission is make disciples of all nations as you go proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and leading them to obey Jesus. In other words, making disciples of Jesus Christ, that's the main calling of our church, of church, period. If our ultimate aim, I tell our children, was to go to heaven, once we accept Christ, why doesn't he just swoop us away and take us to heaven? And one of the reasons is he keeps us here because the work is not done. The work of sharing the good news is still there. And so we could uphold justice, do good work, fix the brokenness, so that the ultimate goal of seeing people become followers and become like Jesus is the goal. Um, Matthew 20 and 19, 20 has been used many times for um, mission and evangelism. And that's good. Going, people leave the country. They go different places. The one thing we have to be careful, though, is we have to be careful that what Jesus is not saying is just have conversion. Just, just leave people to be saved. He goes beyond that in the commission. He's saying, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptize them, lead them, help them to become like me. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. He's trying to bring together. And so I wanted to share with you an example. What does that look like? So um, who knows Horace and Lilius Underwood? Wow. Okay. Today we're going to find out. So if you're ever on Jeopardy and uh, you get a question, you're going to be the only one that knows Horace and Lilius Underwood. I would say in God's providence, one of the reasons why I'm standing here is because of Horace and Lilius Underwood, personally. In the late 1800s or 19th century, these two young couple, a young couple, man and woman, got married. They were sent as missionaries from the Presbyterian Church to a primitive tribal 
unknown country called Korea. They were one of the first missionaries to step in Korea. And what they did there was not just proclaim Jesus Christ as God and he died and rose again, but they stayed there such a long way, and I'll, I'll share with you why, uh, how long, that they are buried there. Their grandson doesn't have an American name, English name. They have, he has a Korean name. And there's a statue of Horus at Yonsei University, which is the Harvard of Korea, dedicated to this man. Because this young couple went to Korea before it was developed, before Korea knew anything about the Western society. They came and they built an orphanage. They established the first concise Korean dictionary. They brought physics and chemistry to Korea for the first time. And just think about it. Some of you have Samsung cell phones. And within 130 years, Korea, because of that introduction, has advanced this far. Not only that, they built, uh, they did a medical aid, and they were, Koreans were so fascinated because Lilius was a doctor. And they said, how could a woman be a doctor? So they came to look at her and get help from her, and they treated uh, sick people. And then they preached the gospel, they planted churches, and because of their kindness, the Koreans were a little skeptical, they won them over. They started leading other church development, and as sooner or later, they became church planters, and Christianity began to grow in Korea. Lilius and Horus were not just converters. They stayed and made disciples. They lived with them. They nurtured them. They taught people how to follow Jesus, and they showed them a way of life. It wasn't imperialization or westernization. It was the gospel that transformed a whole nation. And so from a pagan, Confucius, Buddhist, ancestor-worshiping nation, they came to know the true God. Wow. And so these, this couple, they didn't just go as missionaries to spread the gospel. They stayed to transform a nation to make disciples. So the quote in, uh, that they say about, about Horace is this. Dr. Underwood has lit a blaze in this frozen land. So this is the Great Commission. And now God is not asking you to leave the country to go and, and you know, go try out a new world. But what he is say, asking of us is we need to recognize the main thing of this church has to be transforming people to the gospel. So uh, if this is the Great Commission, what has the world been doing? What has the church been doing? What have we been doing? What has the modern church been doing? And so Tom Rayner wrote a book, and he says this. Uh, in simple church. And can you say amen if you resonate with this description? Many of our churches have become cluttered. All right, that's okay. So cluttered that people have a difficult time encountering the simple and powerful message of Christ. So church has become so cluttered, they don't see Christ. They see people and activities. They don't see Jesus. So cluttered that many people are busy doing church instead of being the church. Wow. Wow. And so when people come and look at this community, do they say Jesus lovers? Or do they just say 
typical church hypocrites and they whine and they complain and they just, or do they say that? Or maybe in between. And so what simple church is saying is we have to go back to the main thing. We've been cluttered with, with so many different things. We've been cluttered by bickering and fighting for conveniences. We've been cluttered by church splits about who do we follow. I follow Pastor John. I follow Pastor Ralph. I follow Pastor Jason. And we forgot Jesus. And so we've been cluttered with meetings and committees that just talk, but we don't take any action to lead people and to move people and to serve the community. We're actually known for that. Presbyterian is a joke. Who are Presbyterians? They're those who have meetings so that they can have more meetings. And they plan to have meetings with meetings. And so the main thing of the church is, I'm looking at this church here, is how are we making disciples? What have you done to make disciples? So some might say, you know, of course we're making disciples. Uh, Tom Reiner said, continues, he said, the common thread in all dying churches is this. The church became focused on the members' happiness rather than the gospel. A dying church will have this trait. People are focused on their members' happiness rather than Jesus' great commission. And so, uh, I pray that one day if someone asks, what is CPCLM about? What is your church about? That one day we could say, this church is about glorifying God, proclaiming the gospel, and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And the church, this is the dream that I pray for. That we could be a church that's known to be glorifying God. They proclaim Christ, and they are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so some people say, out of good attention, well, pastor, you're doing that. You preach that every Sunday, or we hear it in the sermon. But I have a question for you. Who was Jesus talking to in Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Pastors, missionaries, just, just leaders? He was talking to all the church. Every, you are the disciple makers. So to make disciples, we have to be disciples. We can't make disciples if we're not disciples. And so the question is, where are all the men and women who yearn to grow in God's word? We're doing the story for that reason. There is a huge biblical illiteracy, and we will not win people to Christ when we don't even know the word of God. That's not a guilt trip. It's, hey, let's turn the heat up. And so um, just looking at youth group for a, re- for a purpose, I've been doing youth ministry for three months now, the past three months. And I used to think that if a church had one leader, one leader for five kids, is that a good ratio? That's a pretty good ratio, right? In school, if you have one teacher for five kids, that's a good ratio, right? Right? I used to think that. Kara Powell from Fuller Seminary says, wrong. Well, she doesn't say it like that. That's me being snooty. She says, no. This is what she says. This is her quote. She says, what if we reverse that? What if children were so important to raise in the kingdom of God as Jesus followers? What if we reverse that? She said, what if we said we want five to one adult to kid ratio? meaning five adults caring for each kid. We're not talking about five Sunday school teachers or five small group leaders. We're also not talking about five adults to whom you outsource the spiritual, emotional, social, intellectual development of your kids. That's like hiring a youth pastor. Take care of my kids. She says, I'm not talking about that. 
She says, Church, we're talking about five adults whom you recruit to invest in your kid in little, medium, and big ways. She's saying kids who have sticky faith when they go to college and they don't fall out of the church had five spiritual adults mentoring them. Well, I'm not a youth teacher, but if you're that elderly lady who says, Jasmine, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. What? You have been praying for me? I'm in ninth grade. Just know I've been praying for you. What if you're that older grandfather who says, you remind me of my grandkids. Whatever you need, you come to me. I'll be praying for you. I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And what Kara Powell is saying, discipleship, it takes a village, not just a department program. And my personal beef is, like, you could have a church with an amazing youth ministry and a great program. I still don't care. I don't think that works. Because life transformation takes investment by people into the lives of young ones so they grow, love Christ, and develop. They need to see God in other people. And so Jesus didn't just give the Great Commission to missionaries and pastors. He gives it to us. We have the potential to do that here. And how will we teach everybody? We need to grow. We need to serve. And so imagine a church where people are becoming like Jesus and leading other people to become like Jesus. In fact, um, that, that this will be a place where we're willing to become followers, die for one another, care for one another. That we'll be a family that is willing to carry the burdens and, and the church that will promise, hold to the promises of God. And so one of the things we've been saying is we need to raise the bar and to live in this obedience that church is not a program that you drop your kids off to, but it's a family that lives this out. So Matthew 28, um, God isn't just raising the bar for the church. You know what he's doing here? He's setting the bar. He's saying, this is what the bare minimum of the church is. And the way that translates to us is this. The bar is, don't just go to church. That's not the goal. I'm happy you're here, but you don't just go to church. He's saying, build up the church. He's also saying, don't just be a nice, good life liver. He's saying, be a transforming agent in the renewing power of the gospel wherever you are. And I love this. Uh, staff, we talk about this. Don't just be a disciple. Become a disciple maker. That's a new bar. Can you just say that to somebody? Can we just, just look at me? Repeat after me. Don't just be a disciple. Become a disciple maker. That's a whole different standard. And the Great Commission is not just be a disciple, become a disciple maker. And Francis Chan, we did a book earlier last year, and he says the early church didn't need the energetic music, great videos, attractive leaders, we don't have a problem with that here, or elaborate lighting to be excited about being a part of God's body. He says the pure gospel was enough to put them in a place of awe. And so the command of Jesus is take on the identity of Christ. So as we kind of come to a close, I realize the Great Commission is not just hard, it's impossible. It's very hard. It's very impossible. How will you raise disciples of Jesus? How will we be able to do something this significant? And he gives us a clue. At the Matthew 28, 20, uh, he begins, And behold, lo, 
He says, see, they're all the same words in Matthew 28, 20. And he promises us this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's he saying? He's saying, look. So what are we supposed to look at? You know what churches look at today? Oh, that pastor. He's, that pastor is what we need in our church. What do we look at today? Money. If we only had money, we would really save this church. Or we look at, we just need young people. If we had young people, we would save this church. And Jesus says, get together. Come here, come here, get together. He says, lo, look, I am with you to the very end of the age. All that you need to become a disciple-making church is you need to keep your eyes not on your abilities, your power, your resources, but on me. And this is his last encouragement to us. I am with you always. And in Jesus Christ, the church has the power to make disciples of all nations. So when the church keeps its eyes off of Jesus and onto one another, you failed. You will not have the power. But when we look at Jesus, we start realizing, oh, the Great Commission. When we don't forget the sacred, we forget, we remember the mission. And so imagine a church that we're clear on the main thing. Imagine a church where we are focused to live as disciples. And imagine a church where we have the passion to make disciples. And so my charge and hope for this year, this church is, would you join and be a church with us as a family that in 2020, we're not trying to just do church, but we are a disciple-making church who point people to Jesus, starting with the young to the old, that we work together. So we see pockets of this community transform as disciples of Christ change their world. This is his great commission to us. Let us do it together fervently and passionately. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, help us to remember the main thing in all our planning, in our budgeting, even when we're trying to just get through in our busy lives that we do not lose sight of the main thing, that you have saved us, redeemed us for a calling, that you have commissioned this church to be a disciple-making church, starting with the people here. Lord, help us to be disciples that we may make disciples. Help us to grow deeper in your word, to study it, to, to thrive in it. Help us to be transformed every day that in us we would really see you growing, that we would see you in the presence of this church. God, we can't do it with our own power, but we know you can. And as we keep our eyes and faith on you, may you raise up this church to honor you. Thank you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.